do you want that vision where your children can walk to school? Do you want that place where your parents can grow old and live in the same community and not necessarily have to have a car? And do you want that that place where you can go out and, and walk? Most people want that shared vision. Welcome back to Design to Connect. If you're new here, uh, here we talk about and have conversations about cities, architecture, and design in general, how, how each of these points can shape our lives. And we also look at how by making some changes in the way that we design, we build things, and we build our cities, uh, we can actually create cities that are happier, more livable, and healthier for all of us to live in. Uh, so in today's episode and the next couple of episodes to come, we are not anymore talking to a specific person about their uh, specific journey and the projects that they work on, but we are talking to groups of people who are working on a certain project with a certain mission. And today's topic is uh, one of those topics that I have experienced firsthand, how its existence and not existence in the cities can change the way that we live and we really feel in our cities. Uh, today, we are going to talk about active mobility in cities and, in other words, how we can build cities or design cities in a way that we have the possibility to move in them easily and be kind of active and not so much to be reliant, particularly on our cars, especially when it comes to individual cars. So today's project is called Active Cities, uh, which brings together eight municipalities, three knowledge partners, and city citizens together to really prioritize active modes of mobility, like walking and cycling, in the North Sea region cities. And the, this project is trying to do that uh, through different approaches, like tactical urbanism, multimodal mobility hubs, awareness campaigns, and co-creation schemes with the real aim of redesigning cities uh, that and policies that really encourage active mobility and reduce the negative impact of car-centric urban environments that we also talked about a couple of episodes ago. So today I have with me Juliet, uh, who is the project manager of Active Cities, and Jim, who is the founder of Walk21 and is an international policy advisor. How are you both? Doing good, thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, very much so. Thanks very much for having us. Yeah, really excited to have you both. So uh, since I talked the first couple of minutes, uh, I would uh, give the floor to you both to introduce yourself, the work that you're doing, uh, both uh, you know personally, but also uh, with Active Cities. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll start. Um, yeah, so my name's uh, Juliet. Uh, and I'm based right now in Barcelona, uh, working for Baxon Company. We are a mission-driven agency that have been supporting this project uh, called Active City since the very beginning, uh, because that's what we do. We try to bring people together uh, and uh, then make things uh, happen, like collaboration, especially, and then like impact and pilots. So that's a bit of the of the background behind this uh, uh, project. It's a it's a European project, and at the moment I'm the project manager of this. 
you know, I've been working on on mobility uh, in the past, uh, yeah, for the past uh, years uh, and uh, other topics related to making uh, cities more livable. Thank you. Yeah, and just to add to that, um, I guess I'm one of uh, Juliet's friends, you know, we're part of the consortium. Um, we focus, I'm, I'm Jim Walker, and I work on uh, walking issues with Walk 21. We have a foundation that's been going since the year 2000, um, supporting cities and national governments with policies and projects to improve walkability. Um, and I think since, particularly since COVID, you know, we've seen a real uh, uplift in policies um, being developed. Um, but not everyone can wait for a policy. People want to get on with things. And I'm really delighted to be part of this project, the Active Cities project, to actually support the delivery of, of, uh, of initiatives and see if we can see if there's a formula about that change to actually support more active cities. Um, wh what is it you do? How do you evaluate it? These are the sorts of things we're looking at together. Thank you. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about the project. But I kind of want to start with uh, the why behind the active mobility and active city uh, in general. So I'm just imagining, you know, if uh, I'm a person with a family, so, you know, I have children and I'm comfortable enough in my car to navigate in my city uh, with my car to go around. It's it's kind of easier. It comes easier to me uh, as a person who is in this situation. Why should I? Uh, care about my city, you know, becoming more active. Uh, what are some negative impacts of uh, somehow the, most of the cities that are not active and what are some positive impacts of uh, active modes of mobility? So somehow to sum up what would be an added value for me as a person who is enjoying riding his car, her car, their car, uh, in their city and uh, what 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 would this really add to my everyday life? You want to jump, Jim, or should I? No? Okay, yeah. I think uh, I have a hard time imagining, at least for the European context, that you can enjoy like a car ride without also having the effect of like just being stuck in congestion, no? Because one of the big thing in, in, in urban mobility is that place is, is limited. Um, so, so I guess with this comes often the... Uh, the thought that okay, what are what are, are the alternatives and and what we're trying to to show is that the alternatives have many benefits like for you when it comes to of course health, uh, physical health, uh, mental health, uh, social health as well. Uh, but then also for 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 the city for making it more livable. I think we mentioned um, already like the post COVID kind of like realization. Uh, yeah, people were happy to 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 be in their cities and to use them as to use the public space there. Um, so to realize that, okay, yeah, I want green spaces. I want to, to my kids to play. Uh, I want the, the air to be breathable, like, and, uh, and nice. Uh, I don't want to have this noise pollution, like all those things are, I think that hopefully we also trigger, uh, I think in, in, in our project as like the main benefits for, for making cities more active. Yeah, if I might add to that, you know, it's it's easy to imagine that what we're trying to do is get everybody out their cars, but actually the streets are full of people, and uh, we need to do this to in order to keep people on their feet, to keep people on the saddle. It, you know, there are temptations that if we don't make our cities more walkable um, and easier to to cycle, 
then people do choose. They imagine that they, they need to get a car. Um, whereas all our European cities, almost all of them anyway, were have been designed around the pedestrian. Um, that, that's where they, they've got that fabric. Uh, and really what we, we're talking about in this project is uh, making sure we don't lose that, that, uh, those elements that we've inherited because we've been blindsided by the, the potential of all these other things, you know, the, the time that we could save if only we sat in traffic a bit more in, in isolation in our own cars instead of being sort of more social out on the streets. We're just trying to reframe things, really. Uh, and so it is get, getting people out of their cars, but not by beating them up. Um, we're actually making it so nice, remi reminding people that our cities are walkable, you know, can be cycled. And that this is a, an easier, nicer, more attractive way to actually enjoy uh, the cities that we choose to live in. Um, and, and that's also part of the project. So this isn't an anti-car project. This is a pro-people policy project where we're investing in cities and reminding people that, you know, this is the bit that makes city life enjoyable. That's so true. Thank you to you both. And I think uh, a lot of times when we talk about walkability, there's uh, this... Uh, that comes to a lot of people that uh, they might lose their freedom to move, but really making walkable cities is about creating more options and not taking options away. So it's it's really about yeah, having more choices instead of needing to to only use our cars to to move around and like being kind of forced because there are not other options. In yeah, I, I think I think you really you got it there. You know what happened during COVID was we were suddenly told we can't walk, we can't go out and enjoy our cities. And uh, you were telling me you're you're in Milan at the moment. You know that was a place that had real restrictions around movement, uh, personal movement. And I think we really realised that actually if we can't walk in our communities, we've really lost something very fundamental. Um, and and I think it's that realisation, that reframing, that has meant that we don't have to wait for the next pandemic. You know, we're in a pandemic. The pandemic we're living with now is climate change, you know, and it's urgent. And uh, and actually, we need to think about the things that we learned during COVID and invest them back in and make sure that the, the ability to walk to school, you know, to healthcare, to, to work, to education, uh, and certainly to public transport. You know, this is at the heart of this project. The active cities project we we need to make sure that those fundamentals are right in our cities uh, wherever we are in europe and and we're just exploring that in more detail to understand what are the elements we put in place in order to uh, reserve those rights and make sure that the priorities are there lovely thanks so much uh and i i wanted to uh, take this time to also ask you about uh, you're you're talking about active mobility and active modes of transportation, but I also wanted to ask you about uh, sustainable mobility and what would be kind of the differences and similarities between uh, these two, let's say, uh, concepts. Uh, because uh, I think when right now we talk about sustainable mobility, most of the times uh, we focus only on the environmental sustainability of uh, you know, different types of transportation and mobility in a city. And to most of the people, uh, the main mainstream idea or mainstream solution that comes to everybody's mind as, you know, a solution uh, to traffic congestion or to the pollution that we see is electric cars. And uh, I really want to take uh, this time to 
you know, ask you also about uh, why, if yes, why would be, uh, you know, the reason that electric cars won't be the only modes or ways of uh, reaching sustainability or sustainable mobility in a city? Uh, and also, yeah, to for, for you to kind of explain to us what is sustainable mobility and what is active mobility and how these two concepts kind of come together. Yeah, shall I start with that, Juliet? Please, please feel free to add. Look, look, many of our journeys are unpleasant, difficult, and uh, at times dangerous. And these journeys, you know, that we're talking about are all these burdens that we carry with us at a at a community level, at, a, at an individual level, are being wrapped up into the sustainable development goals, haven't they? We know that there are these 17 actions that are try to identify how we want better equity, better safety, make it easier, make it nicer for people. And, um, you know, I think governments for, for several years now have been trying to work out how to package that at a city level and deliver it in a way that, um, that does improve life quality. Um, and when we talk about electric vehicles, it's, 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 it's actually the wrong, the wrong question or the wrong answer, I think, for, for actually packaging that up. Because the average uh, electric vehicle in, uh, in Europe costs 56,000 euros. You know, the average um, net income of a European is uh, 26,000. Uh, euros now if the average european is spending 13 percent of their of their income on transport that's about three and a half about three three thousand euros uh, a year quite frankly most people can't afford electric vehicles um and so it's not really a solution you know um even if we think it's a solution to uh to the to the less greenhouse gas emissions we've missed the societal package that is really framed up in those sustainable development goals that talks about equity uh, and thinks about the community sustainability uh, and and our planet sustainability let's not forget that um the vehicles that we're getting rid of in order to change them to electric they're all going to other countries you know i've just come back from kigali in rwanda um and most of the cars that they're importing in africa have all come from Europe. They're all our unclean ones. We're one planet. Um, and from us thinking that we just change our energy source and, and that it'll all be okay for us here in Europe, uh, hasn't actually done anything except hide the problem by, by uh, displacing it to another place. So look, I'm not against greening uh, the fleet. You know, I think it's it has a contribution to make, but these cars are 30% heavier talk about sustainability they have a bigger impact on, on our infrastructure uh, than our existing cars and, and we still have to wrestle that issue about where is there any extra energy source coming from you know we're having an energy crisis right now uh, with the various uh, conflicts going on around the world it's become less and less secure i don't think we we really need to be looking for a solution for for uh, just changing energy sources and carrying on something much more fundamental than that and I think that if, and what we've proved really, that if you can uh, get our journeys to be safer, easier, nicer, more equitable, then I think that's a foundation from, for delivering many of the sustainable development goals. Um, and actually, if we can get that right with what people sometimes call this mobility pyramid, but you know, where pedestrians are at the top, then cyclists, 
then public transport, ride share, and and uh, and then we have the private vehicles. If decisions are made like that at a city level, if investments are made like that at a city level, and if we as citizens in our communities make decisions like that, uh, um, then I think we have we have happier, more successful places. The sort of places that I know you, you were describing at the beginning is is actually the vision, the vision in Europe, and probably the vision in many of the places where we where we've chosen to live thank you so much Juliette would you like to add yeah no I think Jim made a great job there and and from giving maybe a bit of a perspective from from our project in active cities we've taken the they might be more like when you look at mobility like we look only at urban mobility then of course they're through mobility in all types uh, of other mobilities so uh, in urban mobility we want to push for active mobility because we think this is doable no people can walk a cycle and most people can do that or get access to public transportation that can also give them uh, a further way um, but then yeah for covering other bits and for for overall uh, entering to this yeah, mobility challenges yeah there might be uh, electric mobility is an answer to some of them not to all of them um, yeah, and especially in this project, we we've decided to focus on on on, on the on the people and on moving from A to B with your uh, body uh, trends only. Thank you so much. So, uh, based on what what you explained, can you tell us uh, how like what would you define as an active city? Uh, what is the picture that you are painting? Yeah, I think to take the words that we, so we've been running this project now for a year and everything gets a bit more defined. I think every time we meet with uh, the different partners, so there's different, very different ways of, uh, of defining it. Uh, but also, although we're quite, I think we're quite aligned, um, but I, I think really the, the vision that um, is there for active cities and for those eight cities that work with us is that, yeah, active mobility would be uh, an easy, attractive option, you know, that is right at your door and that's, it's your, yeah, go-to option. Uh, and that, yeah, it's, it's focused on people. We use a lot of this word of human-centric mobility, human-centric planning, um, and, and that we bring people on board. Uh, so, so yeah, I would say that. Thank you. Um, and if, uh, just, just to get also a, a more detailed, let's say, vision of that, for especially people who are listening to the podcast and maybe they're not living in Europe uh, or, you know, a, a walkable city. Uh, how how would my day look like? Let's say walking in my neighborhood or kind of existing in my neighborhood, going to work. Uh, how would that look like? Well, I think it's a, it's a really good point. You know, how do we know if we live in a walkable place? You know, and uh, we've been thinking about this, not just, it, it can't just be about people on the streets you know it would be nice to imagine that you have these busy areas full of people and and it's somehow rather successful you know we we worked in Hong Kong a few years ago where they have 97 percent I think uh sustainable modes you know they're either people walking or using public transport and as you say in Europe any city who had a mode share like that would sort of think we've made it you know we've we are the act the ultimate active city but the reason why they got in contact with us is because they said it's actually the worst part of their day they really don't enjoy it 
um, because it's it's not a great experience. And so it's not just about counting the people out on the street. It can't just be about mode share. It has to be about satisfaction and enjoyment. Um, and and I think this is something we, we have to we've been getting a grip on. You know, so when we talk about walkability and bikeability, you know, we actually have to understand the environment. And it's the the relationship really between people and the environment, their, their behavior uh, and their and their perceptions, I think, is what's so critical. So maybe when we first started this project, we thought we'll be measuring numbers of people. And this would all be about numbers of people who got out their cars or more people cycling, more people walking. Uh, I think what we've matured into our thinking about is actually, you know, about whether these people are enjoying their experience, whether they that sort of sustainable behavior is likely most if they are enjoying it. And we need to be careful that we haven't left anyone behind. So, you know, the most walkable places, I think, um, uh, are, and, and the cyclable as well, will be where we've got infrastructure supporting people's needs where people are maybe smiling on the streets not just mm. it's not just about the miles it's the smiles you know it, it's actually where people uh, interact with each other and you know we know a good place is where we've got you know a, a good balance of between ages abilities genders uh different income levels all mixing you know the the street is where we're all equal really um and we need to make sure we're providing for that um and you can you can see that quickly when we've been visiting these communities and cities as we've been moving around the project partners, we get a quickly a, a quick insight as to whether these places are already successful or, or maybe that there are things that could be invested in to make sure that people aren't left out and uh, mm -hmm. they're making these choices uh, because they can and because they want to and because you know they're enjoying it. And, and, th and that's the, the maturity, I guess, of this project that we're moving into now in our second year. And I think it's it's a lot also about, as you say, yeah, enjoying enjoying the mobility, but also not only to use the streets as a space, you know, to to pass by, but it's where you know uh, there are opportunities to sometimes sit, talk to other people, kind of the whole place making concept of uh, creating yeah different spaces and opportunities for people to gather, get to know each other. Uh, their neighbors and yeah, the people who are living in their communities and not just pass by, which a lot of times it, it happens when we are moving with cars because the speed is so fast that you can't really, you know, get to get to know any other person and the, the distance that you have also with other people that are in the street uh, a lot of times make you not be able to communicate or have any meaningful, let's say, relationship. Yeah, you know, I think this is, you know, we often talk about time savings, don't we, in transport decision making. And it's all about trying to get people to work faster so they can be productive and, you know, uh, earn more money. This seems to have been a, a big drive for for, uh, for many decisions, transport decisions over the last maybe 20, 30 years. But actually time quality, I think, is now being understood as being much more vital. Um, and we know successful walking places, again, we would say, 50% of your time is actually in a successful place is actually spent sitting and socializing, you know, being able to be in, pop into the shops or, you know, smell the coffee literally as you walk down the street and sort of be lured with, with this sort of sensual experience. I think it's so important. Uh, these are the successful places. And so um, if it takes you half an hour to walk to work in, you know, which might only be 500 meters, then 
I would say that that's a successful place because it's full of temptations. Uh, and these are the temptations that enrich our lives, aren't they? Um, and and I, I think what we we what we've started to understand is you can evaluate time quality, um, and it's not just about trying to get there as fast as possible, but actually enjoy enjoy the journey. It's very true. Uh, and to add on that, it it actually went to the to my next question because uh, Jim, when you talk about. Uh, uh, walkability in cities, you use the three adjectives of safe, attractive, and accessible. Uh, I wanted to ask you, why did you choose exactly those adjectives and why are these specifically important when we talk about walkability? Yeah, I think they're, they're concepts that everybody can relate to. You know, we know uh, you want to feel safe, you know, number one. Um, you, We know people don't go out at all if they don't feel safe. Uh, we've seen that in lots of countries, um, particularly women, you know, we know maybe don't even uh, access certain bus routes because they don't feel safe accessing the bus. Um, so safety is fundamental, I think, as a, as a point of principle. Um, but I think making sure that we have accessibility, access to public transport, schools, you know, our everyday destinations, uh, our workplaces, our shops, I mean, is critical. And uh, we've heard more recently about this 15 minute city concept, but it's just about proximity. It's about density. It's living within reach of the everyday places that we need. 15 minutes is actually the distance that most people will walk without even thinking about it. You know, there's no conscious decision because 14, 14 to 15 minutes is something that you'll think, oh, yeah, it's just over there. It won't take me long. I'll do that. You go beyond that uh, time. And uh, you might need to be persuaded. You might need to think it's worthwhile or that I'm going to be able to stop for a coffee and meet someone on the way or something. You know, there needs to be some sort of an added attraction. Um, but but yes, yeah, safe, accessible. I think this this is fundamental language. But I think what's what's more recent is this idea of attractiveness. You know, we've assumed that as people walking and cycling, we shouldn't necessarily have to enjoy it. And why, why should it be nice? You know, in times of austerity and people don't have a huge budget, why should we spend money on doing anything more than just providing the basic space? You know, why should you have be enjoyable as well? You know, can we afford enjoyable? Uh, and I think what we've matured into thinking about is that unless it's attractive, unless we've really invested in that quality, people will switch. We know that um, they've switched in lots of places uh, where we haven't put value on it. And this is our chance to really think about dignity, investing in individual dignity for people, whatever their age, ability, gender and income, you know, and I think it's so, so fundamental to get right. Um, and uh, the cities that are doing this, where you see mixes of people of all those different um, ages and types, I think it's, it's really rewarding. These are the places we want to move to. This is places we want to go on holiday to. And many of our partners, you know, when you hear the sort of cities who are who are part of this, these are places that are enjoyable to go and visit and walk around, you know, and have us bike around. You know, we're we're having we're this is a good project. But what's great is that there's still things to do, and they want to know that they're doing as as much as they could. Uh, and uh, and I think this is we're, we're coming up with a formula here, a formula that we hope we could apply to any city who wants to be as good as they they can be people who want to walk and cycle and that formula I think shouldn't be in a black box 
we need to come up with common language that describes it in a way that feels attainable and relatable. And uh, if we want politicians to actually sign off budgets onto these things, we have to talk in concepts that you know make sense to us. And uh, so safe, easy, nice, attractive, you know, this language is something we, we all sort of think, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. I want that for me. I want it for my children. And I want it for my parents, you know, and and uh, and everyone can can meet meet ourselves in that. Very true. And to your point, it's it's very um, easy to understand uh, if a city is walkable or not by the variety of people, by the diversity of people that you see in the streets. You you go to some cities and you can see, uh, you know, people with disability in the street and then you understand that that city is accessible but a lot of cities it's impossible really to to find any person with wheelchair uh, in the street but that doesn't mean that that city doesn't have anyone with a wheelchair it's just that people cannot come out because this city is not accessible but the same goes for uh, walkability of women so if you don't see uh you know women in the street there's a reason for that the city is not made for them uh, so we we can kind of you know uh by taking a closer look, uh, really see uh, how this city is, uh, is being made and how welcoming it is uh, for uh, diverse groups of people. Uh, but uh, I wanted to ask uh, you, Juliet, also, uh, because you, you focus so much on innovation and collaboration uh, when it comes uh, to creating these changes uh, in our cities, especially uh, as it comes to uh, transportation and more active modes of uh, mobility. So I wanted to ask you, why do you think these two points are very important and how are you using uh, the two concepts of, let's say, collaboration and innovation uh, in, in the project of Active Cities? Yeah, so I think as, as Jim said, like and I think a realization a little bit of bringing those people together is that, yeah, the cities that we have in this project, they're already quite doing quite well, you know, um, if you look at Europe, but also, of course, at the entire world. Uh, and so you could be thinking, like, why do we bring those people uh, in the project? Does it make sense? Yes, no. But again, I think the we just came back from a from a meeting. We were in Lund, Sweden, uh, just some weeks ago. And something that was very strong there, I think, is this kind of responsibility, again, towards those climate goals that we have. Uh, and not just like, okay, our city is working very well and people uh, use active modes for their health and for the climate, et cetera. But it's like, okay, the things we're doing well, we want others to know about them and where we can still improve a little bit here, a little bit there, we want to know about it. We want to stay close to the innovation. We want to collaborate with uh, European peers uh, to, to do better. Uh, so, so I think this is the very nice uh, part about this project. Uh, there is room for improvement, but already at a very good level. So then it's a bit of the responsibility of uh, us to then document um, what we are doing in a way that is also as those three words, you know, um, um, yeah, that will reach like a certain number of people that would reach the policymakers, the citizens sometimes. Uh, so in the end, the impact also doesn't stop after such project has stopped, you know, uh, but can be transferred to others. Um, so so this is, uh, yeah, for us a bit like the key of the collaboration and the innovation part, bringing them like together, uh, creating some kind of yeah, more sustainable impact uh, and then uh, making sure it goes on like this. Uh, 
to to others. So true. And one kind of supports the other one. Like yeah. when there is collaboration, there's more innovation happening and also vice versa. So I, I wanted to ask you both also about uh, really the process uh, that you're taking uh, through um, through active cities, uh, because the approaches that you're using are tactical urbanism, multimodal mobility hubs, awareness raising campaigns, and co-creation schemes. Uh, I, I would really love to know what would each of these uh, approach mean and how you're using them. And uh, how is it really your process? How did you uh, start the project? Uh, how did this past year look like? But what are you also planning uh, to do in the next years to come? Okay, I can start with this of a little bit of, of uh, yeah, the background is, is yeah, also as Pakistan company with a big network of, of cities doing just that, no innovation and, and European collaboration. So uh, post-COVID, we started having conversation of what was needed to do when it comes to mobility. It is from the start a mobility project, even though as we've discussed right now, it's not just about moving from A to B, but also what's happening in between. Uh, but so yeah, we were talking with cities like Hamburg, like Groningen uh, in Europe and starting to, to shape a little bit, um, yeah, the challenges that they were still facing. Uh, and I think the, the, the three um, challenges when it came to, it was coming to active mobility was the one that still, the, the, the fact that the, the streets, the cities were still planned for, for traffic uh, and favoring traffic. No, when you think about, I don't know, how the streets are lit, they're usually done, this usually done for the cars, not so much for the people walking or cycling, or at least not everywhere. Um, the space also allocation, uh, we've seen a lot of, COVID pop-up lane, as um, you know, in 2020, sometimes on the um, pavement, on the sidewalk. So, so looking a little bit about this and thinking, how can we actually focus on the yeah, more human-centric planning uh, that will do both walking and cycling and not those two against each other? Uh, so that was one part. And then the other part was around this um, multimodality. So again, uh, we are well aware that not everyone can walk or cycle everywhere. And we have the chance to have rather good public transportation also in Europe that can then, yeah, um, make you do longer journeys. Uh, and there, yeah, walking especially is crucial and sometimes cycling is also possible. Uh, so we wanted to also make sure that when people have to make a choice, they have to go from one mode to another, that then um, the active modes are supported and are an option. They are obvious. Okay, I'm just out of the bus. It's very clear mm -hmm. that there is a safe place for me to, you know, get out of the bus and get to my destination. And it's not like I have to cross something that is like a big uh, a road with a lot of traffic and um so so this thing of like the multimodal experience i think this was something that we also wanted to impact and then finally it's a, it's some bringing people on board really so making sure that we yeah change things in the streets uh so the two first blocks are really about yeah the human centric street the multimodal experience so potential like change of the built environment uh, or in the infrastructure, but then also make sure that 
we tell people, hey, look, we're doing this. What do you think? Um, is that good enough for you? Uh, so that could be in the co-creation or later about the communication. Um, yeah, we have different ways in, and also trying to understand uh, behavior, behavior change when it comes to mobility. Um, so, so this is a bit the last part that we have also in this project. And this first, yeah, we've been running for a year. This first year has been really about uh, well, getting to know each other and uh, trying to yeah, find ways to work together uh, because we're very different, of course. Um, and we're going to be working together for the next three years. So that was uh, an important point, understanding also the project. And, and again, one thing is um, uh, writing a project uh, and trying to receive the funding for it. So we're receiving funding from the European Commission for the Interregnal Off Sea uh, Programme. Uh, but then it's when it's actually uh, running, accepted and, and running, you know, all of a sudden, well, as I said, it's a mobility project, but then you need to open a little bit the scope. Uh, there are other things or, or also it was um, started in 2021, sent uh, for review in 2022. And in one year, you know, what's still valid for this city? What what it makes sense for them? Where are the priorities? So so having a little bit this flexibility and this understanding how we can transform uh, an application form into something that is um, yeah um, like a real project that that matters and that creates impact for those cities. Um, and 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 then it's been about preparing the pilots because what we want to do in this project is like the more concrete things is trying things. Um, and then again, documenting, understanding what worked, what didn't work. So they don't uh, stay as pilots from a European project, but they lead to long-term implementations. Um, so, so yeah, this is mainly what we've been um, doing for the first year. Maybe Jim, I don't know if you have something to add from your point of view. Yeah, I, th I think, it, you know, we, we had, it sounded like a very neat structure that we had at the beginning, you know, that we, we would change the streets or you have a communications campaign or we focus on hubs. In reality, cities want to do all of these things and, and they, they need to actually, because it's that package is where, we, where we're most effective. So I think, again, what we, as we get to know the cities, you know, we've heard in Lund, as we, as, as, as we just uh, mentioned, in Sweden, they don't have a walking policy. Um, and so they want to invest in walkability, uh, but they don't have a policy. They don't, they don't, they haven't started that yet. So they want to make sure that this pilot that we do together would actually give them the foundations and an evidence base for, for a new policy that could actually uh, help the city quite quickly. In, in other places, like in Hamburg, they're particularly motivi motivated by road safety. You know, they want children to be able to walk to school and there are streets there at the moment which quite frankly are not safe. And uh, they need to sort of work out how to communicate that as well as change the streets to make those school journeys more possible uh, by, by young people. And, and in Leeward and in the Netherlands, just as a third example, you know, we've got um, 200 Ukrainian refugees coming, moving into that town. And they want to make sure that these people feel welcome and that they they adopt sustainable behaviors you know and that they're integrated into into their society and their town you know and there's an urgency with that because literally they're coming this year uh and so the design the layout the information the campaign as it were the the change in streets has to happen really quickly to support those people who are coming you know immediately so you know as juliet says 
things change quite rapidly actually at the moment. Um, and you, you frame that up in the sustainable development goals. We've only got seven years till 2030 to get a lot of these things right. But these cities in the next three or four years, I think are gonna be you know, really pioneering pilots to demonstrate to cities all over Europe and I think probably the rest of the world that actually when you package these things together, you can achieve a lot and quite quickly. And I think that that's our core message is that this, this investment in active cities, it's quick, it's affordable, and it's a reliable solution. Uh, and I think that that is the message that I think a lot of people are, are looking for. It's the solution that a lot of people want. And so I think if we can keep not just supporting the cities with the changes that they're asking for, but actually disseminating that and, and letting people know how it's going and the mistakes that we make along the way, I'm sure there will be. Uh, I think the realism of it will be will be hopefully quite inspirational for other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I'm just curious to know how does that look, uh, like the approach that you're taking, how does it look in the bottom up or top down? Uh, do you also in your, uh, let's say, designing of the pilots, do you also talk to citizens or does that happen at the later stages of the project, as uh, Juliet was mentioning, uh, if you could also take us through that a little bit? Yeah, I think you've actually, that's absolutely key for us. And I think probably the most fundamental thing that we agreed on day one, <laughs> that that actually we have to engage with people, you know, and we have to involve them. And, uh, you know, all of our ideas about what we might want to change in our, in our cities, you know, won't work if we don't, um, or it won't work very well anyway. And so, you know, the thing that we, we are now implementing across the project and we're, you know, we're already thinking about evaluation and, how we can evaluate outcomes from the project. This has to be all about citizen science. You know, we have to actually ask people, how do they feel now? And we have to think about those in terms of people out on the street uh, and the choices that they're making and the enjoyment of they have of those experiences as we've been talking about. But also I think in our in our processes, in the way that we we have our governance frameworks, you know, inside our authorities. You know, our decision makers more persuaded now because we've proven through these initiatives that these things do have an impact and that they're popular. You know, is where are the blockages in, in the processes? And we have to sort of make sure that we can evaluate that we are improving processes, streamlining them, making them more efficient and effective, as well as the, the ultimate outcomes to benefit our citizens, you know, at street level. Um, and that sort of framework is what we're just grappling a bit with now, but I, I think, you know, we're very nearly there. We've got three good knowledge partners here from Arburg University, as well as uh, KU Leuven and ourselves. And we're in full agreement that, you know, this is, these are citizen-led outputs, you know, are what matter most. Um, and so we're working on that now to so that we've got systems that are affordable, um, that can be used, you know, across, across all our partners. Okay, thank you. And uh, I just wanted to ask you uh, if there are, you know, uh, citizens of other cities or maybe designers, uh, urban planners in other cities listening to the podcast, you're one year in now in the, into the project, but also you have a lot of uh, experience, let's say, in, uh, in creating uh, active mobility and more sustainable mobility. Uh, what would be your advice on how to start all this? What would be the first couple of steps to take. 
<laughs> I, we, were, we were seeing who was going to go first here, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll have a some, I'll have a jump at this. Look, um, as I said, we're trying to unpack the fact that there is a formula that you can use as a as a systematic approach, and I think we're very close now to a sort of template policy, a package of actions, some core indicators that can be used that cities could be adopting, or you know, anywhere in the world, quite frankly and know that they are either using it as a checklist to sort of check what they're doing at the moment is is enough, or it's um, something that they can use as a framework to develop policies, you know, that are going to be more effective later. Um, that's encouraging. And I, I think, um, you know, we're seeing cities develop policies really fast now, uh, but we have to get these things funded and impactful on the ground. So getting started, what everyone is saying to us, it's about commitment. You know, do you want that vision where your children can walk to school, you know, without being in a car? Do you want that place where your parents can grow old, you know, and, and live in the same community and not necessarily have to have a car in order to, you know, live a good good life? You know, and do you want that that place where you can go out and, and walk to all the things that you, you need to, do you have to rely on a car? You know, most people, want that shared vision and I but we haven't necessarily asked it so if we can get that commitment first then what we're finding is uh that we can we can develop the policy around that vision we can enable that vision to be delivered and and I think look we're we're here with pilots we'll have lots of test cases and evidence of like I say failures and and positives we're, we're happy to celebrate failures you know you can learn from those things too but but you know, in sharing that, I think hopefully we can give confidence that that commitment is is possible, uh, and it has to be possible. It has to be possible quickly. Uh, and so, you know, I know we've got four years for this project, but actually they're already active. You know, these all of these places are busy doing things now, and we'll be able to tell you whether or not they've already achieved something really quite quickly in the next few months. Uh, and if it hasn't had the full impact that we think it could. We'll be adjusting and refining things over the next couple of years, but any city could get on with sorting out their school run, you know, could get on with sorting out shortcuts through the city. It can think about the welcome package as people move into a place uh, and just how they can be supported to adopt, you know, um, active cities, an active city lifestyle, you know, and these things, they sound like they're, you know, where would you start? But, you know, we will have very practical uh, solutions for people within the next few weeks, if not certainly a few months. Great. So everybody should be checking uh, the Active Cities website to for for the updates that will come uh, definitely soon. Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to stress, everyone is so nice in this project. You know, <laughs> everyone really wants to do the right thing. So look, you can look at a website, absolutely, but probably the website, it just feels so impersonal. This is all about people, you know, this is people, place, policies. And uh, so if any city is out there listening to this, wants to get in touch, then by all means, you know, get in touch with any of us in the project, but certainly with BAX or, uh, and partners and certainly us at WART21, we'd be delighted to talk to you about not just sort of cut and paste, but the uh, how to adopt and adapt the things that we're learning to help you quickly. We'd be very happy to do that. That's amazing. Thank you, Jim. Um, so, Juliet, do you want to add anything? Oh, I think most 
most have been said, we're trying to not reinvent the wheel here, also uh, bringing, you know, building on things that have been already done by others. Uh, and, and we hope that we also contribute to this of not reinventing the wheel constantly. Um, so yeah, we'll try to, to keep talking to people and, and, and sharing our learnings. That's really amazing. Thank you. So uh, I want to uh, kind of wrap up with the last question uh, that is a little bit more personal and philosophical. But uh, yes, yeah, so I wanted to ask you both if you could dream big, uh, what would you wish to have achieved uh, either by the end of your career or also at the end of uh, this project that you're doing together? What, what would you really wish to see? Uh, and the, the footprint of your uh, of your career would be on this world. What would you wish to have given uh, to to your let's say community? Maybe I I could start taking a bit more not so long term perspective, but at least like in a couple of years after the project has ended. Uh, for me personally, I would love to to see that things that we've started as part of this project, you know, that allowed uh, some of the people working in these cities to take time to focus on the specific challenge they had identified and try to find solutions that, you know, years after it's still there and it's led to much more uh, as inspiration, but also leading to, yeah, to real change for the people living in the streets and for the way uh, things are being done. So, so in Lille, in France, I'm French, so I relate a lot to this. They've opened like a, a uh, house for raising awareness on, on sustainable mobility. Uh, one of the big challenges of this project is okay. Now it's they have the time uh, and the money to to, to to dedicate to this mobility house. What's going to happen after the project has ended? So I, I hope that in ten years I go to Lille and, and this mobility house is there and is still like promoting uh, sustainable mobility or maybe doing other things because maybe by then everyone. Uh, yeah, he's walking and cycling in Lille and then we need to do other things, but at least this uh, is an example in France, you know, and that uh, uh, in Hamburg, they're looking at school mobility, that the work that they're doing uh, within this one school, you know, can be extended to many more schools in Hamburg, in Germany, uh, but that really we we serve like, uh, yeah, this purpose and that we we can do more in the future thanks to a little bit of uh, time and uh, and money and and a lot of uh, yeah energy that we put into this project at the very beginning thank you Julia. yeah I, look there's no wrong answer here is there but uh, i think um look people have always walked in the past they, they're walking now and they'll walk in the future you know wh whatever vision we think that, that walking will still be part of it and i i hope that we can increase the value of that Re remember just how valuable that is to our lives um by encouraging people to provide for it better um and i i think probably the best long-term goal we can have is is for us to stop measuring things like mode share you know the numbers of people walking stop um measuring the kilometers of bike lanes or footpaths and thinking that that is our success as as a place it's about the interrelationship between these. It has to be about satisfaction. You know, we have to embed this by communicating with people. You can't just do it on a GIS. You know, by all means, geocode where people are happy and where they're not. But um, ask people. And, and I hope that our legacy, more than anything, will be engaging people 
uh, as the way to actually encompass uh, the vision, the, the future that we want for our cities. Uh, because I honestly think the more people you ask, the more you'll realize that there isn't a us and them. There isn't a motorists and pedestrians and cyclists. There isn't, it, we're all the same people. We all want the same things from life and we want those experiences, our mobility choices and our daily lives to be as efficient, as effective as possible. And basically you want to be happy, don't we? <laughs> uh, and I think we can do that. Um, so I, I hope in some small way, this project and our work uh, will help um, remember that and uh, give us give a system for being able to put it, put that as more of a priority in the way that people plan and provide for in the future. Thank you. These are really both very uh, amazing goals, and I really wish that you both uh, see, uh, let's say, the fruits of your work and see what you wish to see uh, coming out of your career. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it has been really a great talk. I, I feel I learned really a lot. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to share uh, about the project, about anything? Is there anything that would like to add i think we've said most of it but yeah we will share a lot in the coming uh months and years so uh yeah make sure to to talk to you and to and to visit us yeah look thank you so much for giving us a voice to be able to amplify the things that we're doing here it's, it's very important we can't just exist as a small collection of cities you know it's all about being able to disseminate this knowledge and i just wanted to remember that you know, the climate talks go on every year. This same conversation is happening at a national level and, and through the regions. And uh, and so sometimes it, it's countries leading this conversation, but very often it's cities who are just getting on with it. And uh, we need to find that common ground and appreciate that if we do want a solution to our sustainable plans, uh, if we really want a sustainable future, then we're going to have to work with each other and we're going to have to do that quickly. Um, so, um, but yeah, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this and I hope we can spread the word and keep in touch with as many people as possible. True. Thank you for, for sharing your knowledge and insights and your experiences, uh, with everyone. It was really great to have you both. Uh, and, uh, thanks to our listeners that also stayed till this moment. Uh, if, uh, you enjoyed White you heard please uh, feel free as Jim and Juliet mentioned to get in touch with them uh, and learn about more about their project and check their websites and if you enjoyed uh, this talk you can also uh, like uh, share uh, the talk with others and uh, follow Design to Connect on uh, many different channels uh, with the name Design to Connect. Thanks uh, to you all and we would love to hear about your experiences. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Juliet. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.